Welcome to Mission Driven, a conversation about how startups leverage their social mission as competitive advantage. Mission Driven is hosted by Better Ventures, a seed stage venture fund in Oakland, California, backing entrepreneurs using science and technology to address the world's biggest challenges. You can find us on the web at better.bc and on Twitter at Better Ventures. I'm Rick Moss from Better Ventures, and I'm super excited for today's discussion because our guest is an innovator in climate tech, uh, specifically the transition to electric vehicles, which is at a tipping point right now. It's a major shift in the world economy, major economic opportunity, sort of a business opportunity, and one of the top things that we can do as a society to combat climate change. I mean, we know that this is going to be a roller coaster. Every day is, you know, and you know, up and down, and sometimes you lose a customer, and sometimes you win a customer, and you know that you know, you never know what's around the corner. And to get people to wake up every morning and say, "I'm going to do this all over again," there has to be something beyond all of this, right? And it has to be that you know, I love working for these guys, and that's why I'm doing this. Right? So I'd like to welcome our guest, Mufi Galiati founder and CEO of Electrify. He's now head of EV charging at Ford Pro, uh, which acquired Electrify just recently. He's a product management specialist, having held senior product management positions at ChargePoint, at HP, at Amazon, and some other places. He's sitting at the eye of the storm right now in the transition to electric vehicles, and particularly for commercial fleets. He holds a bachelor's degree in engineering from the University of Bombay, and a master's in computer science from the Hong Kong Polytechnic University. I'm super excited to have him here with us today. Welcome, Mufi. Thanks, Rick. And uh, I'm incredibly thrilled to be part of this conversation. Hopefully, we'll share some really interesting ideas and, and spur the next generation of entrepreneurs. Right. So, you know, we know each other because we came very close to investing in Electrify. And now that I've seen what's happened, I'm kind of saddened by that, that we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. But uh, I'm told that it was a really great outcome for you. And how does it feel? It feels surreal almost. And, you know, if I just look back, not too far, you know, Electrify started back in 2018. And so, as you can imagine, it's been an enormously crazy ride, starting with, uh, you know, pretty much from ground zero in 2018 and, and to being part of Ford in such a phenomenal way. And uh, just, you know, exactly a year ago, we were in the middle of a raging pandemic with mm-hmm. no end in sight. Right. And I remember one of our investors sending us an email and I said, what advice would you give me? And he said, just don't die. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, it was like, it was just, he just cut to the, just the chase die. and said, you guys are on the right path. It's just, if you stay alive, you'll be successful, right? And I thought that was a, that was uh, the most interesting piece of advice that I got from anybody. That's not yet in my advice uh, playbook, so I'll have to have to put. That yeah, in my it was book it, it was in the so, context of COVID, right? Yeah, it, but is the idea? Yeah, well, COVID, but also just that the market is so hot that like as long as you keep going, you're going to do great. Or was it just straight up don't catch COVID? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I, I don't know what his intent was. I never right. never questioned him, <laughs> but I think it was a, it was probably right. a dual intent: is don't catch COVID one <laughs> because that's important. So say a bit about Ford Pro because wasn't that just announced? And now you're part of that. You're part of the senior leadership team there. Yeah, so it's the you know the timing is very interesting. Ford Pro, the, the leadership team at Ford Pro was just literally announced yesterday in the morning, and uh, that's uh, really the next big step in in Ford leaning into the the three areas that they they've, they've started talking about 
uh, back in, in May, even before the acquisition. And the three areas really are leaning into commercial. So, uh, and commercial has been for strength for, for 40, 50 years now. The second is uh, is really doubling down on electrification, and, and we've seen that with the F-150, the Mach-E, and the e-transit launching this year. And then the third, of course, is software and connectivity. And uh, what was interesting to us is when Ford approached us initially, we were a little surprised, like, what do they see in us? And we weren't privy to uh, a lot of the Ford Pro discussions until it was publicly announced in May. And to to us, then the picture was very clear, it's like, we sit smack dab in the middle of all the three areas that they're focusing on. Yeah, that's amazing. And and so you're part of this senior leadership team, right? And you're focused you're the one the member focused on EV charging. Yep, that's correct. That's great. So I have to ask you, have you bought already or are you going to buy a, a Mustang or or one of their one of their new F150? Yeah, so I have the F150 on order, just like everybody oh, no else. Kidding. And I have the Mach-E on order as well. They are so hard to come by, but those are all on my list. And I have Ford Bronco now. Nice. Now, I I was listening. (laughs) (laughs) I was preparing for this, and I listened to another interview you gave, and you were talking about your old Nissan Leaf. So, which I would call like back in the day, we would call that like a CFO car, which is like, you know, really cheap old car, right? And uh, so... No longer now that you've been acquired, it's it's on to Mustang, a Mustang Mach E. Yes, in fact, I sold my uh, Nissan Leaf right <laughs> after the acquisition. For the record, the Nissan Leaf has a very interesting sort of play in the story because I bought the Nissan Leaf when I was working at Amazon, mm-hmm. simply because we had chargers there, and to me, it made sense to just buy a Nissan right. Leaf and of essentially course, free gas, right? You free gas, gas, and then uh, yeah. carpool lanes, and for those who live in the you know ah, in the yeah. area, yeah, get the sticker. And I, I still remember my first experience with charging. So, you know, I, I buy the leaf and I send a, a note to facilities at Amazon saying, hey, I want to charge at these chargers. And they say, go to ChargePoint and set up your account. Ah, like, really? And that's sort of a whole train of events, right? Interesting. So, you know, so when you look back, all these dots start to connect. What is right? this charge point? I'll have to look into exactly. this. Yeah. Exactly. It. Wow. It's like Dr. Uh, Evil. And so that's how I got see you flexing your fingers with the cat. All right. So... That's really interesting. Let's come back to ChargePoint. But um, what got you interested in climate in the first place? Um, is this something that's been long-standing, or was it when you got the car? You know, it's been a long-standing th- thing. Especially as you mentioned, my roots are from India, and you know, whenever I visit Mumbai or Delhi or any other uh, city in in India, invariably fall sick because of the because of the you know incredibly high levels of pollution. And I always, uh, I have this picture, I remember when I, you know, first traveled to India, first traveled to Delhi as part of uh, of Electrify. I woke up, you know, we landed, I think at 2 a.m. or something like that. And I woke up early uh, and it was 6 or 7 a.m. I looked out my hotel window and what I saw looked like a nuclear winter. It's almost like the apocalypse is here. And I still have the picture. And sometimes I use it in my keynotes as well as, you may argue climate change, you may argue global warming, but you, you cannot argue this, right? Right. And I think in the Bay Area, we got our own little dose of that. And we're, we're still getting it with the fires. It's not the same kind of pollution, but it's, it's climate change linked. And, you know, there's the, the orange day. I don't know if you were in town for that day when the, <laughs> everything was dark and there was just an orange sun. You know, it's a... I have, I have pictures. It, it was almost surreal. And I was talking yeah. to somebody and I said, this is not any filter. This is what the day looked like. It was, you know, like the apocalypse yeah. this year. So yeah. it was... A, and to me, you know, yeah, there's a, you know, you can debate everything, but you cannot debate the pollution in the air and the impact it's having on us and our kids as well. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. There is, you know, the health uh, impact 
is sort of a domino effect into yeah. a, you know an economic impact. Everybody's yeah. paying for poor health, right? Whether we like it or not, in the healthcare system or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And sadly, I think the poorer you are, the more you pay, particularly in developing countries and people who live in coastal areas and things like that. Okay, so uh, so then was ChargePoint sort of the beginning of your climate journey then in terms of work? Yeah, so ChargePoint was sort of the first because I had done startups in the past. My previous startup was a company in the gaming space, which was a lot of fun. It was a Kickstarter-launched company and um, a very uh, sort of amazing ride. And from that point onwards, I had always sort of looked for something dual purpose. You know, I think entrepreneurship in and of itself is, is you know, is a fun thing to do. But if there's something that I could do beyond that and, you know, make some form of lasting impact, even if it's, if it's a really tiny one, then that always piqued my interest. And then I started using ChargePoint on a daily basis. And that just, you know, it piqued my interest for two reasons. One was all of the, the benefits uh, related to climate change, but also how dramatically different the notion of fueling an electric vehicle is so dramatically different than a gasoline vehicle, right? And most people don't get it till they actually drive an EV. And then you go, this is completely different. This is not like a gas station model anymore. And the fact that, you know, on, on, the, on that platform, you can build some really innovative services. So, for example, and this was, you know, me looking at ChargePoint from an Amazon lens. I'm going, ChargePoint knows exactly when I charge, how much I charge, how much money I pay. That's an interesting amount of data that to get for a company like that. And so that got my wheels spinning. And, and then the rest, I guess, is history. Interesting. And then talk about that and the differences between ChargePoint and Electrify and sort of what gave rise to the idea of starting Electrify. Yeah, so this is the sort of the classic Silicon Valley story of standing on the shoulders of, of giants and building companies. So all the way from, you know, Intel and Fairchild, this is one of those interesting moments in time. At ChargePoint, you know, I was working on the DC fast charging infrastructure. So I got an opportunity to work with you know, all sorts of customers, retail, you know, all the auto OEMs, of course. But uh, suddenly you, you have these fleets show up at the, your doorstep who are looking for something different. And so we had, you know, here's a consumer charging solution. You've got, uh, you know, at that time, I think we had 70, 80,000 charging stations and they, and they go, no, actually our drivers will never charge there. We need our own depot, right? So I kind of stepped back and, and looked at, okay, this is super interesting because historically, if you see technology adoption, there is a point in technology evolution where the consumer solution and the enterprise solution start to bifurcate. Right, and we've seen this with you know with phones and and computers and everything else. Your enterprise solution takes its own life, right? And to me, it was okay. This is a very interesting inflection point. At least that was the hypothesis at that point. And to me, it was okay. This is something that needs to be built from the ground up. Something that uh, is agnostic in terms of hardware doesn't have to be tied to a single piece of hardware or vehicle for that matter. And that kind of gave the you know gave us the genesis for Electrify. And that's when I, I left to kind of dabble in a few ideas. So we looked at telematics and a few other things and then quickly converged on charging management for, you know, for heavy-duty vehicles at that time. Mm-hmm. And just before we get, we want to get to the heart of the matter here, which is your uh, climate mission and how it is in a competitive advantage. But just before uh, we get to that, say a bit more about how a fleet or a commercial customer has different needs. They need to make sure their, their trucks make their full route, the time of day or the, the temperature can matter. They may not want to charge in the field. Like, can you, can you talk about these things? Sure. So, you know, as, as we started to talk to more fleet customers 
And we started to kind of unpack all of the things that they need. And every time we talked to them, we realized it's different than consumer charging. And I'll give you one, one quick example. We have the notion of driver uh, and charging station in the retail model. That notion doesn't exist in the fleet model because the driver doesn't own the vehicle. They don't pay for charging. They don't actually care about charging the vehicle for that matter, right? And as we started to unpack that, what we realized is, okay, one, fleets run and operate completely differently than, than you and I uh, would as individuals. They are driven by, literally, <laughs> no pun intended, by you know, optimizing the cost per mile. And if you can go to them and say, hey, you're doing a million miles a year, we can help you save even 10 cents per mile. It's, it's a massive, massive sort of upside for them, right? Their utilization rates are dramatically different. We as consumers don't drive our vehicles 95% of the time. For fleets, it's the exact opposite. They need to have the fleet on, on the road as much as possible. Otherwise, it's a dead asset. So as we started to unpack this, it was like this was to me and, and to Sanjay, who's, who's my co-founder, it was, okay, this requires a ground-up solution that is designed for enterprises, for fleets, and it just does that. And also, it's a classic thing of, you know, as a startup, you know, you have to be laser-focused. So what happened was, as folks heard about what we were doing in EV charging space, we had folks come to us and say, can you do work with retail stations as well? Can you do credit card processing and things like that? And we said, nope, not our wheelhouse. If you want to do that, you can go to somebody else, right? So to us, it was, you know, the more we understood the customer, the deeper we got into building a you know, very holistic solution for fleets. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it obviously worked out. And it sounds like you know, in just three years, you built something into something really valuable. And that is now kind of a, a cornerstone or a pillar of, of one of the largest and most successful companies in the world. It's, it's uh, applying it to their fleets and beyond, presumably. Exactly. So let's turn to mission, your climate mission. So I guess what we're trying to get at here is how is your, your mission around the environment and around climate something that you can it benefits you and that you can use as a competitive advantage over a rival that may not necessarily think that way. Do you want to talk about that? There, there are all different categories where this could, could apply. I'd be interested to hear if this is something you have seen and, and how. Yeah, and you know, I'll back that up with my first story, which is you know, how Sanjay came on board. Okay. So he, uh, and you met him. He's yeah, I met an, Sanjay. Know, yeah, he's incredibly a top senior pro- yeah, leader. Yes, very senior guy. He's, you know, he was in the early days at Sybase, you know, when Sybase was a 100-person company and they, I grew to 10,000 or something like that. He saw the dot-com boom and bust. And when I was trying to recruit him, he was at a startup in the ag space, a company called Agrologics. And when I first pitched the idea to him, you know, it was a very simplistic thing. Hey, I, you know, we wanted to build this dashboard for fleets. And he thought about it and he said, my passion is to get into climate and energy. Because I've done, you know, I've done software, I've done ag, and this is the third thing that I want to do is, is you know, do something that's a legacy for my kids, right? And he's, he's the kind of guy who could walk into any, any large Silicon Valley firm and easily make enough money not to worry about. But he told me, he's like, I want to, and this is, this is, these are his words, is I want to do something that I can easily explain to my kids and that it benefits them, right? And I thought, okay, there's an awesome way to kind of think about this. Because especially at the, at the early stage that we were, it was you know, one guy and an idea with some funding. It's incredibly hard to recruit people because you know, the, the risk is, is sky high. And the idea, of course, is, is still so nascent that there's not, you know, not, not much to back it up. And so it's all about the story and aligning. 
And in some interesting way, Sanjay sold himself on it as well, right? And of course, he's you know still such a critical part of the of the company. And with him on board, it became much easier to sell that vision to everybody else, right? And so I still remember, and you you probably remember this as well, right? When we were pitching to you guys, Sanjay would come with me. Like he's as much a part of the story as I am because we bring two unique and interesting things to the table as, you know, as a as a technologist and and as a as a marketer or CEO. And that's the pitch that we would make. So every employee that we would hire, Sanjay and I would board interview. And you know, we would interview but also sell the story back to them as well, right? So our essence of what we were trying to do is not only, you know, is it something cool that we're working on with, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of economic potential, but we could collectively make a big impact if we do this right. Because transportation and, and, and these num- you know, numbers prove this, right? There's no, there is, uh, there's no argument that if you take, you know, that many vehicles off of fossil fuel, you can cut down on NOx and CO2 emissions, which will be of direct immediate benefit. Forget about you know global warming and everything uh, you know for a second. There's there's this an immediate impact right now, right? Yeah, and is it fair to say you would have had a hard time attracting someone of his caliber if you didn't have your your climate mission? Yes, it would be pretty hard. I mean, if I was running a gaming company, yeah. I'm guaranteeing you he wouldn't have joined me. Right, like, right. Okay, fun stuff. I can help you, but don't want to be part of this. Right. Well, now there's something you can explain to your kids, but I think if he was doing a software infrastructure. You know, I can see him. What do you do, Daddy? Well, I make yeah. this. I make uh, infrastructure that keeps businesses running all the time with fault tolerance and disaster recovery. You know, yawn. Yeah. Versus, I'm putting electric trucks on the road. So the 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 part two of this story and the way it actually played out was, I you know, I first met. Uh, I remember Sanjay and I first meeting for coffee, and I gave him this whole pitch. And um, he basically said, listen, I'm going on vacation for a couple of weeks and let me think through this. And so he was in India and I remember this very clearly. He calls me, you know, tech, actually texts me and he says, can you get on the phone right now? I'm in Delhi. I want to chat with you. I said, okay. So he calls me and he says, I've been looking at what you're doing. I've been looking at the industry. I've been looking at everything else. Do you know that you're on the cusp of the biggest energy transition in history from oil to electrons? And this can be a massive play. And I said, okay, that is awesome. And so if you actually see some of the, the keynotes that I make, I start with that statement is we are on the cusp of the biggest energy tra- transition in human history, which will have massive downstream impact, right? So in some ways, he's as much of the visionary as, as I am. And this is why, you know, I, I always make it a point uh, when, when I talk to, to, to entrepreneurs is, is finding this first co-founder with the, with the right, you know, chemistry and mission alignment is so, so critical. Right. Well, let's let's follow that thread because I was going to ask about culture and then hiring beyond uh, just. Well, yeah, I guess you don't hire your co-founder; you you joined each other. But um, beyond the founders, to what degree does that same strategy kind of play out in hiring? And and of course, uh, given that he's so passionate, uh, I imagine his ability to recruit and play that same card was powerful as well. Yeah, and so uh, what I've realized over time when working with with Sanjay. Is I've learned a lot from him about how to be a people person, especially you know when you're trying to hire engineers, right? And so I remember this incident, which was uh, you know we were in the early days we didn't have a lot of money, so we were hiring uh, a lot of the team offshore, and uh, we uh, both Sanjay and I fly to Bangalore to hire the team, and you know we get I still remember you know we get in the conference room and I'm like let's start whiteboarding, we need to you know build this, and he's like Mofi, sit down. 
there, there were there were like, I think eight, seven or eight engineers. Okay. And Sanjay goes, okay, each of you tell me your background, tell me your entire story, how you got here. And I'm going, dude, we've got to get up on a plane in, in two days' time. We, we don't have time for this. And he's like, sit down, let me do this, right? And so he went through in each one. And at the end of it, people were like, nobody's ever asked us this question. And, and they were so, in fact, some of them are still with us today. And they were so, I mean, he built that loyalty in the first three or four hours. He built like unshakable loyalty with them because they're like, nobody's talked to us as individuals. They just see us as, you know, code writers or developers. And this guy is connected with us. So, it, I mean, it was pretty phenomenal. And of course, we've carried that culture over to everybody that we hire is, you know, there's a, this whole human potential and just tapping into people at that personal level. Because, I mean, we know that this is going to be a roller coaster. Every day is, you know, and, you know, up and down. And sometimes you lose a customer and sometimes you win a customer and you know that, you know, you never know what's around the corner. And to get people to wake up every morning and say, I'm going to do this all over again, there has to be something beyond all of this, right? And it has to be that, you know, I love working for these guys and that's why I'm doing this, right? Yeah, and say, say more about climate. Do you think a lot of the, the people working for Electrify are there because of climate and excited about climate and they work harder? Or is that true? And, how, and if so, how does it manifest itself? I think it's true for pretty much everybody that joins this company. In fact, we've got um, folks reaching out to us organically. And I'll give you an example. We hired a product manager and she reached out to Wendy, who's you know who leading product management for us, and just cold email saying, I'm super excited about climate change and playing my role and you know, I've researched everything about Electrify. I want to chat with you, right? So Wendy talks to her. She sends me a resume and I look at her resume. I'm like, she has no experience in fleets or EVs or charging or mobility. Like, why should I hire her? And she said, just talk to her, right? So I go, okay, fine. I talk to her and her enthusiasm and energy was like off the charts. I'm like, okay, the rest we'll teach you. Come right. on board, right? <laughs> and that's because of climate. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, we've organically managed to attract people who are already mission-driven. And the interesting thing is, this domain is, is fairly new, right? I mean, Electrify is all of three years old, uh, literally last month. So there's nobody who says, I know I've got 10 years of experience in fleet charging anyways, right? So we are the mindset of, if you get somebody who's motivated by something more than just, uh, you know, just uh, being at a startup and, you know, having a, a great economic exit, then they'll be there for the long run because they're they've, they've got this you know they're working on a higher plane than everybody else. Yeah, and they're not just looking for the next cool company to go to. They want to stick around. Exactly. Yeah, and how about so this is an interesting one: sales and marketing and branding. You know, there's the whole trade-off between sort of leading with the environment versus leading with sort of ROI and economic impact. You know, like take Tesla, for instance. I don't think they've ever marketed their vehicles as environmentally friendly. Everyone, everyone knows that. At least that's my understanding. You know, they sell a better car and people want that and they, they know that it's also environmentally friendly. In your industry, you've got a bunch of these, a bunch of fleet people who, you know, may or may not have the same sort of progressive attitude about the environment. Would you say that you were able to you know, market and sell as someone who's passionate about climate or do you have to hide it? That's a great question. So the customers we work with are all driven by operational efficiency. It's only in the last few years that now they have these mandates, you know, mostly corporate and sometimes government regulatory mandates to, you know, sustainability has to be a core part of, of your thinking and your strategy and your execution, right? So we've had almost no 
challenges trying to sell them on sustainability because by the time they come to us, they're already sold, right? They've done the math. They they know. In fact, some of them already have corporate objectives that are either behind or they've got to meet. So for their perspective is, we are already sold on this. You guys need to help us operationalize this and show us you know, where the economic benefits are. I would say for a startup that would be getting into this space now, you don't have to convince anybody to go electric right now. They're already sold. Now the whole game is about you know, execution and, uh, and delivering on the promise more than convincing anybody. Mm-hmm. So you're not exactly going in there and with a sort of save the world. It's more about improve your bottom line. But you know that your mission is to do that and also reduce carbon. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it does matter from the perspective of partners and investors as well, right? So there are, there are investors who Oh yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. You know, exactly like you guys, right? So they, they've got, they're mission driven and, you know, all of our investors who, you know, participate in the round had sustainability and ESG as one of the pillars that they wanted to invest in those types of companies. Mm-hmm. So we checked that box for sure. Mm-hmm. So you think you therefore had the wind at your back in fundraising because of your your climate mission? Yes. And it also, I think the the way it helped us was it helped us focus on investors who would get the the value of what we're doing, right? For example, we didn't, uh, we rarely pitched to a purely SaaS company that's just looking at, uh, you know, pure SaaS play without any, you know, any ESG type of mission or charter. And especially at, at the seed stage, there are just so many interesting investors, individual uh, as well as institutional, that uh, you got to focus very quickly on the ones that will, that will get the story as quickly as possible. And you, know, you can see from the first 10 minutes of the conversation is like, okay, you're shifting quickly into fourth gear or the gears are grinding and you're not moving forward. It's interesting. I think you said all of your investors are ESG driven or, or focused on, on impact. Is that to say that the others were just not interested or didn't see it? Because it, it turned out to have been a great investment for anyone, right? So were you turned down by, by people who are not impact-driven? That's a good question. I've got to think back now on, on who turned us down. Uh, I mean, there were impact-driven investors who did turn us down as well. And I think it was more of us self-selecting than investors turning us down. I, I believe that's how it played out, actually. All right. Well, I want to I sort of uh, shift gears here a bit, but um, any other impact or mission-oriented stories or anecdotes or points you wanted to make before we move on? Yeah, I can, I can think of uh, you know, m- many other instances, you know, in the sense of how we hired uh, our, you know, our head of BD and partnerships, Joel, who came from Proterra and Vericity. You know, he was in the commercial EV business for a decade. I think this was his sixth startup as well. His perspective was the same as, you know, I, I want to work with a mission-driven team Again, I mean, this is the conversation we, we all have is we don't want to work for large companies because you cannot make an impact in, in, all, in all these different directions. But with a small startup like Electrify at that time, and even now you can make a significant, uh, you know, we can move the needle in a significant way. So he came on board with, you know, with the same sort of mindset uh, as Sanjay and I is, okay, there's something interesting that we can do here together and bring in another sort of complementary skill set. Got it. So you were able to attract a co-founder then both hire a bunch of people who are, are mission-driven and who were very eager to work for a sort of a climate-driven, a, a company on a mission to affect climate. Not so much in, in sales and marketing because they were really mostly focused on economics, but in fundraising, you also had a big boost and just in hiring in particular. So it seems like there's, there's a lot going on there. 
a lot of advantages there to your climate mission. Yeah, I think that's a great summary. So let's talk just a bit about the market before we close out. Where do you think we are in terms of this whole transition, uh, electrification, early days, midway, end of the cycle? Oh, it's a great question. And my, the answer that I give is we are in the 1993 of the internet. Oh, wow. That's early. <laughs> That's early, right? I mean, you, you, you remember... Oh, yeah. Folks remember Lycos and Excite and... No commerce Yahoo. whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And Mosaic and, and Netscape and everything else. I think we are, we are at that stage right really? now. If, if, you, you know, if you thought the internet tidal wave was huge, this is going to be 10 times bigger. And, and here's why. You know, the whole wave of electrification and the wave of the transformation of mobility, so autonomous vehicles and everything else, they are two massive waves that are hitting almost at the same time. And they are, in some ways, intricately tied to each other. But they transform everything that we will see, right? So mobility and the fact that you layer that on with, as I mentioned, the biggest energy transition in history will have so many sort of socio-geo economic impact across the world. It'll just redefine countries and economies in a way that we've not imagined before. And all of this is going to happen in the next 10 years. A lot of companies, new companies will be created and a lot of companies will not exist at the end of this decade. And when you're inside the tornado, you don't know how big it is till it passes and you go, oh my God, this just, you know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> it left a trailer. It's probably it's a bad example, but it's when you look outside of it, you go, this was the, the impact, right? And I think most people don't get a big sort of transition that we are in right now. And this is one of the reasons, you know, if you see Ford, this is the decade that the company will be reinvented and they've made it you know, public in, in so many ways. And there, there will be companies that will fight this transition. So the, the example that I give is, remember Kodak? I and mean, most people, my kids are like, what is, what's a Kodak? Yeah, right. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? And right. That, that, that's what we're going to think of some of the uh, companies that didn't make the transition. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So that's, it's, it's uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I think from the lens of an entrepreneur, this is absolute like blue ocean, green field, whatever you want to call it. Like this is an opportunity of a lifetime to create companies that span the intersection of mobility, energy, and, and software. Yep, absolutely. And it's companies like Electrify and Ford that are going to lead the way. Yeah, and it's, I, I can tell you, people say, well, Electrify is done and what else to be done? I'm like, there'll be a thousand Electrifies needed to do this, right? Yeah. This is like, by no means is this, this game over. Yeah. And this is just starting now. Come on in, the water's warm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're nearing the end of our time here. I'd like to ask uh, about your personal mission. What is it that drives you if, if I were to say that Mufi Galeotti's on a mission to what? Reinvent how companies are built. Wow, that's profound. Okay, founder and CEO of Electrify and head of EV charging at Ford Pro, Mufi Galeotti on a mission to invent how companies are built. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much, Rick. It was always a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for listening to Mission Driven. To find out more about Better Ventures, visit us at better.bc or on Twitter at Better Ventures.